yeah, so usually we kick it off at, at uh, 4 o'clock Central Time, but I didn't want to waste too much time. Um, go ahead. Oh, I thought you said 5 o'clock. 4 o'clock. 5 o'clock oh, Eastern. 5 o'clock Eastern Time. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I was, like, I was like, okay, I'm 10 minutes early. I'm very bad with time zones, so I'm very paranoid about like, ah! Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, I've been in like two different time zones in the last week, so it's been really weird. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's really great to have you. Uh, it's been a while since we talked. Um, I think the last time we spoke, I was gearing up for uh, a speaking tour in Europe. And uh, you helped me get through some of those initial, you know, bugs and, and jitters or whatever. Very um, good. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know you, which I would be surprised if there was, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and give a little bit of your background and, and we'll jump right in. Ugh. Um, that's the worst part. Uh, I am Jason E. Street. I'm a hacker. It's like I do uh, security stuff, security awareness training. Uh, I do security awareness engagements. I always like to be called a security awareness operative. That was a title someone gave me, and I'm just like, that was awesome. So, um, But basically, I just uh, I rob places and then try to go and educate the people after I rob them, like what I did wrong so they'll do better next time and they'll learn from it. Um, and I'm just trying to make things better all around. So uh that's about it it's i mean everything else can be found like on jasonestreet.com and uh on twitter because i live uh live stream my life basically on, on twitter so yeah so that's about it it's really cool um so one of the things i wanted to jump into and i think it's probably one of your one of your most interesting stories uh about the bank in beirut oh lord yes <laughs> But, but let's be clear on one important thing, okay? That was a mistake. Mm -hmm. That's not my best story. That's not my best engagement. That's not my most awesome engagement. That was probably one of my biggest mistakes that I was lucky enough to get out of. It's cool because I didn't go to jail or get shot. It's uh, like, that's why it's cool. Uh, and it sounds cool. You know, it's like, oh, he robbed the wrong bank in Beirut, Lebanon. And I'm like... And I always tell, it's like everybody talks about the one bank that I, the wrong bank that I robbed. No one talks about all the other banks that I was supposed to rob and I robbed successfully. It's always the one bank that I wasn't supposed to rob that I robbed successfully. So, um, yeah, it was uh, Darknet Diaries episode six goes into details on it. But basically what it was, was I screwed up. Uh, I was out of scope. I didn't pay attention to what bank I was going into because I had to go to the bathroom so much. Because uh, I, I drink a lot of Diet Pepsi, and uh, it's almost killed me a couple times. Uh, but this one was probably like the worst one. It's like I had one where it was like uh, I almost died peeing off a cliff in Bulgaria, which was unfortunate. But, uh, but this one was probably the worst uh, moment uh, called by like, you know, having to like really go. Uh, because I just didn't pay attention. I didn't focus on what the signage was. It was a bank. And I mean... Who knew that banks are like Starbucks in Beirut? Uh, it's like, they're like everywhere. So uh, they were like, literally something. and the funny part, and I don't know if I, I don't know if I ever mentioned it. It just, I'm thinking about it now. This is not the first time that I almost robbed the wrong bank in Beirut. I mean, I did rob this one, but it's like, but this is not, this happened to me once before because there was this one complex. It was two banks side by side and there was a door uh, there was a post-it note on the door that I was going to go into and it's something about it, but it was in French and Arabic. And so I didn't know what it said. So I thought it meant to go the other way. So I started walking around the other way and I'm going in 
and I hear the horn honking. And that's my uh, trusted agent, my uh, employee of the bank who's there to, to, to make sure that if anything goes wrong and then comes in after I've escaped, that they can go talk to people and be there to tr tr so they'll trust me uh, when I told them what happened. Uh, I go over to them and I was like, what's going on? That's the wrong door. It's like, that's another bank. And I'm like, but what's the sign? The sign says pool. And I'm like, oh, the poster says pool. Okay, good to know, good to know. And so then I go in and, and, and rob them. But uh, so it was going to happen eventually. It's like in Beirut. It's like it was just a matter of time. It took a couple extra years, but it was eventually going to happen. And, and you went to uh, Beirut the time when you robbed the wrong bank. You were with uh, Darren from Hack5, right? Yeah, Darren Kitchen, Khalil. We all went. We were doing a, uh, a show for National Geographic uh, mm -hmm. called uh, it was season two, episode two, a breakthrough. And it was funny because I had a, uh, th there was two different banks that had hired me and Khalil, it was, uh, I, I subcontract other companies. It's like uh, to, to rob people. Uh, and I do most of my security awareness training and speaking engagements through Sphere and Y. And uh, mostly I work with NetroGuard now, but when then, I, back then I was working with Krypton and um, he was like, well, we'll just get you two jobs. There's two jobs. We'll just put them right together. So you'll do the first one before the National Geographic, and then you'll do the next one. Uh, and then you'll do the National Geographic uh, with the one that's agreed to be on camera. So yeah, that's how that worked out. So it, it was a good time. It, it was it was really fun. I mean, I really didn't breathe really well until I was on the plane to Paris, but it was still fun. It was still, it still worked out well. Yeah, that's a, I love that story. So I, I watched the episode. Um, on uh, YouTube and it was uh, really impressive. So tell us about how you go about planning, you know, an attack on a bank and, and kind of the steps that you follow, uh, some of the technology you look at to uh, compromise. Well, it depends on what kind of method, if you want, if I'm talking and, uh, and how I train and how I talk to people, it's like, and how I like when I'm doing purple teaming or when I'm doing it where I'm engaged with the company and I'm trying to walk them through everything or how I do it, uh, it's way more measured. It's way more like I'm going to do this much. Uh, I do no, less, no, no more than two hours of recon. Uh, that's on Google. Uh, I do not use my team. I, the whole point of what I do is I give the client no barrier, no reason to mitigate or minimize what just occurred. It's like so many times you get these uh, red team companies and these uh, pen testing companies that are like, oh, we're so sophisticated. We're so going to do this and we're going to climb through the ceiling and we're going to go through as ninja... And they do all that stuff. And we're like, we're going to use zero days and we, we just burn two O days to get in. And that's great. And then when you show the client that, they're like, oh, good, we're safe. And like, no, we just, we just totally, we got domain admin. We got, yeah, but look how elite you were, how ninja-like you were. I literally walked into a bank with no recon, no prep, no names, no nothing, and totally took over the place in less than two minutes and 22 seconds. I, uh, there's a video that Darren showed uh, and that I've got that I show in my class. Uh, it's literally from walking in the door to compromising the first machine and getting a foothold, 15 seconds. Done. So, so, so what, did, 
what did you use to do that? Did you use like a rubber ducky? Rubber ducky. Or, yeah, rubber right. ducky. It's like yeah. I, I showed that it's like I don't have to be sophisticated. Mm -hmm. Stop trying to make it like you're protected because you've got all these other things. And I'm not talking about just walking in the front door. I literally social engineered my social engineered myself through security with the receptions across the street from ground zero in the financial center buildings. It's like to the, you know, top, one of the big top fancy floors. It's like got in there through the metal detectors, the, the guards, the uh, eight security guards, all those things. And I'm wearing a shirt that says your company's computer guy. And then I totally <laughs> compromised the whole entire network. And it's like, and then, and the networking person was like really on point. It's like caught me because the CFO's assistant was doing a lot of unusual high traffic to their servers. Me, because she <laughs> she had let me on her on, on her computer, and it's like and went to investigate it. I showed them the forged email that I got uh, on my iPad because if you got an iPad, that's magical. That's I mean, it's like that's got to be legit. The links on the the address and return were uh, blue. Uh, and of course they were because I made sure to forge them and forward them to myself so I could, after I changed them, so it would turn blue and look even more legit, which is subconsciously what a human looks for. And then uh, they called their CIO, read to them what the email said, because it looked like it was from the owner of the company, very upset and all this other stuff, you know, like somebody's job was on the line. CIO hands the phone back to the uh, to me. We're sorry about the uh, disturbance. He's going to walk you through and make sure you can finish your audit undisturbed. And if you have any other questions, it's like he'll make sure to assist you. And then he walked with me as I compromised all the other machines. It's like giving everybody, letting them know, no, 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 he's supposed to be here. And, and it was done. So it, it's, but that was not sophisticated. It's like, so when I go back and I talk to the clients and I talk to the users, I explain to them, I say, look, you're trying to stop nation states or, you know, the, you know what APT stands for? Adequate fishing technique. That's True. what APT stands for. Right. It's like, I mean, it's like APT is what uh, feds use to get more money and companies use to, to appease their stockholders and their customers. It's like, oh, we got APT. Mm. It's like, whatever. It's like Paraguay's always uh, the bad guy. You know, it's like always going after Paraguay or other nation states. It's like, uh, I always go after Paraguay because I'm tired of everybody talking about like, yo, it's this country or that country. It's like, right. whatever. <laughs> it's, no, <laughs> it's not. It's like, I, I don't even get me started because I've been to Russia. It's like, mm -hmm. I spent uh, 10 years teaching at the Beijing Institute of Technology as a guest lecturer. It's like, it's, it, we talk about nation states like we're not doing it ourselves. Exactly. We talk about nation <laughs> states. Like I pay my tax dollars. It's like I expect my government to be spying. That's one of the things we pay them for. They spy. That's what governments do. No one's watched James Bond. James <laughs> Bond's not an American. He's British. It's like like they're spy service. That's what they do. It's like Paraguay's got a spy service. Everybody's got spy <laughs> services. It's like I just want them to be better at it. Yeah. Quite frankly, it's like yeah. if if America is like talking about like oh it's like Snowden. A contractor smuggled out data from the National Security Agency. It's in the name <laughs> of their company and title organization. It's like, and, I, I, and, and everybody wants to talk about, everyone wants to talk about like all the stuff that he uncovered. I knew they were doing all that shady stuff. 
No, let's talk about the tragedy. Let's talk about the travesty that he uncovered. Mm-hmm. The National Security Agency let a contractor walk out with all their effing data. Yeah. Why are we talking about that? Exactly. It's like, I know that, hey, I tell people, look, on the internet, what I, the point that I go to is between me and my government, okay? They shouldn't be letting some contractor walk off with it, you know? <laughs> For free. It's like that's against the terms of conditions and stuff. You know, it's like you're, you're, you're supposed to spy and steal all this data, but you shouldn't be like freaking keep, uh, you should be keeping it. You know, exactly. not sure. giving it away because anybody that wants to get rid of it. Exactly. So it's just so it's so irritating. It's like that they never really talked about that part. So so past me with all the noise about all the other governments doing all the other stuff that we do. It's like as far as I remember, the only real cyber attack that added added kinetic horrible impact on a country that we could actually determine was some Iranian centrifuges, and we know who did that, USA. <clears throat> you know, it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Just those guys, right? <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's like, it's ridiculous. So it's like, and I just don't like hypocrites. It's like, I don't mind doing it. It's like, and I, I know that we do it. That's what one of the things that governments do. It's like, and I mean, and people talking about like, oh, hackers and uh, nation states are affecting the elections. And I'm like, yeah. That's horrible. They should have done it the old-fashioned way, like, right. like we did in South America, and just yes. you know brought in guns and freaking invaded other countries and put in uh, despot dictators and stuff. You know, Pinochet. It's like, I mean, we've been doing it for years. I mean, we've done it. We've tried to do it in Cuba. We've tried to assassinate. You know, and that worked out well. You know, things <laughs> in body. It's like you know. I mean, I literally, the only thing I hear oh. when I hear people talking about hacking of the uh, 2016 election is so losers because somebody did it better than they've been doing it in all these other countries. It's like, yeah. that's all I hear. That yeah. is all I hear now at this point. You know, when, when we see compromises and, and they blame it on nation state, it's always the red countries, right? It's always right. Russia. It's always China. But they fail to realize that we've been doing this way before the Internet. I mean, the CIA yeah. and, and Bush Sr. created the NSA just to do stuff like that and the CIA. Yeah, you know, exactly. So- yeah, it, it, it bothers me. Do you want to know one of the funniest things? It's like, because people talk about every country's got issues, okay? Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. There are, are policies in every country that I've been to I, I will have a disagreement with. Mm-hmm. But, I, but one thing that really fails, that boggles my mind, is how selective Americans are on their outrage. Yes. It's like, because you talk about, because you talk about China, it's like always like China this, China that. And I I go to Shanghai and I go to Beijing and I've been to Dalian, I've been to Xi'an, I've been to to, uh, Wuxi, it's like Hong Kong. And I'm looking and I see women driving cars. I see them going to work, driving what they want to, uh, wearing what they want to wear, driving, taking their kids to school, being on the street, uh, and but our allies in certain regions of the world, women aren't allowed to drive, dress the way they want to dress. It's like, and they selectively kill, you know, people uh, based on who they love. And I'm like, we're very selective on our allies and what we're going to focus on, you know. It's like, it's just the hypocrisy. It's like, so, I mean, every government has problems. Our government has problems. I love this country. 
it's like that doesn't mean I don't get sick of the politics and some of the things that the legislations uh, and politicians are doing. I'm upset with Biden on some things right now. But you know what? The best part about being upset with Biden right now is no one's going to kill me for it. I don't feel like my life is threatened when I speak out on him. Because you know why? He's not my team captain. He's not the quarterback. He's not some kind of rock star or legend. He's an effing politician. Do your effing job. And when I get mad at you, I'm going to talk about you because, you know, that's my right. I voted. It's like so. And it doesn't matter who I voted for. I voted. So, yeah, I'm going to talk about, you know, hey, I don't like the way he's doing this or I like the way he's doing this. But I don't care about him personally invested. I just want him to do his job. I don't want to hear anything else about him yep. except for when he does something decent or when he screws up. That's all I want to hear. And that goes to and Hollywood. That's the way politics should be. And that goes to Hollywood, too. So we pay them yeah. to entertain, not to take political stances. And I think that's Very one true. of the biggest flaws is there's so much influence from Hollywood, from you know, certain countries in the Middle East no. that has money and oil. I mean, all yeah. those big media companies are kind of all owned by, you know, a few, right? Right. So well, I think you think media. you have the choice, but it, it's all being pulled by, you know, primary strings up at the top. Exactly. And, and I believe that uh, media, I mean, I think stars have every right to say their, their opinions and stuff. You know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, uh, it's like they, they have a bigger voice and, and they want to do that. But when it comes to media, it's like, I think there's more influence on social networking policies and people on that than any movie or TV show or thing that, that's come right. out, let's be honest. Right. Yeah. So, so just yeah. recently they had like killed the conservative party on Twitter, but then allowed the Taliban to keep two or three of their pages on Twitter. It's like, what the hell is going on? Like, is that even real? But well, I, think I think- I think the, the difference is, it's like the, to be perfectly blunt and honest, because I don't filter, is the Taliban is mostly uh, about, uh, you know, being extremist. It's like locally. It's like in killing their own people right now, whereas conservatives have been killing Americans lately uh, and we're causing a lot of death in America, uh, which we have to be concerned about. Uh, because I didn't see any Taliban on January 6th in the, in the, in the U.S. Capitol. Uh, and also, I don't see any Taliban talking about how the vaccine gives you shedding diseases or that you shouldn't get a vaccine or that the COVID's just the flu or you should put bleach in your internal body. So I'm saying that there, there, there's a reason, okay? Yep. When I... Make, when I tell someone I'm tired of you talking about how uh, the earth is flat, that doesn't mean I'm canceling them. That means they're stupid and they should stop talking. <laughs> it, 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 it's like when you start talking about how uh, people of color should not be uh, marrying, intermixing socially or uh, economically with whites, it's like, I'm not going to call you canceled. I'm going to say, yeah, that's the civil rights movement of the 60s and stuff. And we sort of try to work on that. And it's like, and we have a lot more work to do. That's not canceling. That's facts. It's like, I am so tired of media trying to say, well, we got to give both sides. You can't give both sides to the flat earth thing. Yeah. Either you believe that the earth is round or you're an idiot. It's like, there is no science to that 
and science changes. It's like, okay, but a picture snaps of a, of a curvature, it's like, doesn't, no, sorry. <laughs> it's like, that's not, that's not science, that's reality. The COVID, <laughs> as we've been talking about the, the evolution of COVID and the variants and things, things have changed on the ground. It's like, because we're allowing science to do their job. Right. Make more discoveries, make more understanding. So things are going to change. That doesn't mean they were wrong. That means they've discovered more information. And that means they're not listening, you know, to Aunt Sarah, who heard from the, the, the demon seed doctor uh, from Houston that, you know, <laughs> that uh, horse tranquilizers cures COVID. It's like, I mean, science. I mean, why, why has the uh, internet that was allowed humans to get knowledge from all over the world made so many people so stupid exactly and there's so much disinformation and misinformation on the internet it's not even funny so speaking about speaking about houston and covid and all that um oh lord help me that's i'm here jason you're you're in houston i'm in austin so we're just two hours away yeah but you're rational Grammy. No, I know, I know. I avoid Houston at all costs. I stay yeah. the fuck away from Houston. Yeah, I ran from Houston. I got COVID in Houston when I came back to the States. And yeah. as soon as I got out of the hospital, I was out, man. I took off. I'm down in Tennessee. I was in Alabama, but right now I'm not much better, but better than Alabama for sure. Yeah. For People, real. you know, I yeah. we, we were getting there was getting flack. I saw some flack on uh DEFCON about uh having DEFCON in person this year. And I I will still tell you this straight up. It's like DEFCON in Vegas, uh just a few weeks ago, has the safest I've been in a year and a half in uh in Houston or in Texas altogether. Oh, for it's sure. Like because I agree. It, it, I was there in February, and it was it's really I felt really safe there, and it, they they were great with social distancing. Well, no, in, in a DefCon, it's like you were not allowed to be in DefCon unless you were vaccinated. That a third party professional verified your your vaccine documentation. It's like, and then you got a band that if you didn't have the band, you couldn't get in, and Everybody had to wear a mask, even if you, um, even if you weren't, uh, um, you know, if you if you weren't drinking or anything like that. Once you were still inside, you had to wear the mask. It's like inside DefCon, uh, and and people were watching it. One time, I was literally at a party and I uh, was drinking to Diet Pepsi, had my mask down. It's like, and then all of a sudden, something went on my phone. I got distracted and I started looking at my phone. It's like, and a goon comes over and literally, Jay, you need to put your mask back on. It's like you're not drinking, and I'm like, good point. And I and as I was leaving the party area, I ran into that guy again, and I said straight up to him, I said, "Dude, thank you for that." It's like you got to tell everybody. It's like you don't see the mask on, you need to put it on. They did a good job. So yeah, it's like I go, I went to Walmart like two days ago, and it's like less than three percent people wearing masks, and I guarantee you there was less than twenty percent that were vaccinated. And it's like, and you're telling me that it's like DEFCON was unsafe. It's like going to Walmart. I was safer there than anywhere else. And any person at DEFCON has a better chance of survival than any person that works any other day at an HEB or a Kroger's or a gas station or a fast food restaurant right now, because that's the way the environments are around the South. Going to going to Walmart in general, even without a pandemic, is dangerous. 
So <laughs> that is true. Especially that is true. vaccination cards, guys. Um, so I'm what selling you them. How are how how do yeah. I mean how easy for someone to social engineer and replicate a, a fake vaccination card? We we can come up and, and yes, that's a hundred percent. And we could come up with a lot of different scenarios about what could have occurred and what happened. But that's the reason why I like the extra layer. Everybody had to wear a mask. It's like let's say three percent, four percent of people had fake vaccination cards at DefCon. Hypothetically, because I have no idea, no one does. It's like everybody was wearing masks. It's like not everybody, because there were some people that would mess up, people like me that screwed up, but still a 98% of mask wearing. That's huge. And generously, generously saying it's like on the side of error, I'm being generous, saying 98%. It's like people not uh, maybe at one point infracting the rules and not wearing a mask. Yeah, those are pretty good odds. Those, like I said, safest place I've ever I've been since this pandemic started. Yeah, I'm, I've had it twice. I had it in Europe and I had it in Houston. And you don't have it's not like a collection that you got to get at every continent. It's like it's right. not like a fine wine <laughs> you're trying to. You're, it's like don't go to Australia because I'm. Like, Let me try the New Zealand strain. You know, it's, it's like It's the best. Don't. It's the best. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah I, I'm kind of a connoisseur of COVID. Um, but I had it. I had it in London. It was pretty bad. And then I got to Houston. And what was really weird was I went to Clear Lake Regional in Houston. Yeah. And went into the ER. And because I felt like my pacemaker was messing up a little bit, so they, you know, they checked my pacemaker. It's all good. Well, while you're here, let's go ahead and swab me. And I was like, I feel yeah. fine. You know, why do you need to swab me? But they swabbed me anyways, and immediately like hospitalized me because I had COVID. And I was like, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, why do I need to go into the hospital? I'm good. I'm like, no, 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 there's too risk, too much, too many risks. And I was just really confused by that. Um, yeah. But in, in London, it was really strange because if you catch COVID, they put you into a bay with 40 other people who may or may not have COVID. So <laughs> right. they just, it's like a super spreader hospital. So um, what, what is the situation in the States at the moment with COVID? Because we don't hear anything about what's going on with you guys crazy. over there. Like, <laughs> yeah. we, get, we, got, we got one case here in Queensland and they, pff, the borders are shut. There's no uh, one coming in. Like, they just the right way, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right now, they, right now, the the masking situation is about to be mandated again. And yeah. at first, they, they were talking about it was an increase of eight thousand cases per day. Then it went to eighty thousand, and now I think they said eight hundred thousand. Like, I'm not really sure the numbers. I don't know who's counting. The abacus may be broken. Crazy. Yeah, Texas is like ridiculous. They're actually trying to like Texas. At the governor is saying like it's like. You can't put a mask mandate. It's like, I love this part. It's like, you can't put a mask mandate on people to t tell them to wear uh, a mask. It's like, it's like, it's their body, their choice. And I'm like, where the, were you when women, you know, want to control their uterus? You know, it's like, it's like, it's your body and your choice unless it's woman's body parts, right? It's like, it's ridiculous. It, it's like, and, and it's so frustrating. It's like, because they literally say my body, my choice. And I'm like, weren't you right in front of a Planned Parenthood three weeks ago, later, Karen? It's like, what the, you know? And, and it's just irritating. It's like, because they're trying to, it, I know of a lot of great Republican friends, okay? It's like, there have been some really good Republicans uh, in politics that it's like, I say we're doing a good job. And this is what we've lost in this country because we got to understand at the core, 
back in the good old days, Republicans wanted what's what's best for this country. And Democrats wanted what's best for this country. We disagreed on how to make that happen. But I did, I agree, disagreed with your policies. I didn't think you were not trying to make America better. It's like, I was just like, no, I don't think we should spend this much money on this. We need to do more for external. We don't need all that regulation. Companies need to have free enterprise. And others were like, yeah, but it's like, you know, we don't need to spend this much money on the military complex and we need to give out more to social services and, and help people, you know, come up from the ground up like that. And we totally lost our way. And now it's like, oh, if you're on this side, then you're the bad person. It's like, no, I'm still having American stupid. Save your xenophobic racism for people outside the country. Didn't you read the memo <laughs> on how that's how America works like that? It's like, seriously. It, it's like, and so it just, it just got to the part where we dwelled into that. And it, I, I don't know how we get out of it. It's like, I'm waiting for aliens. The only way Earth is going to save yeah. itself is for aliens to be 100% proven so we'll have something else to be racist against and we can go at least <laughs> well at least you're at least you're human it's like you're not like that green eyed tentacle person over there it's like so i mean we just that's all we need it's like we just don't have that you know i feel like the I feel like the government's trying to ease us into that thinking as well with the uh, yeah. uh ufo's that they've spotted over the i guess the pacific that you give the thing. government way too much credit. I mean, seriously. <laughs> I mean, how much do you guys think social media and mass media plays a part in, in that, right? Because 100%. there are some social networks that are, are more for, you know, one side versus the other. And, you know, so like, how much do you guys think that kind of plays into to the way the masses kind of perceive? It's not just social media. It's like, I agree with the, that they help with that and then make it easier. But the internet allows people, and this is the whole thing, cognitive bias. It's like the internet allows people to seek out sources that they agree with because if they didn't agree with it, they wouldn't feel comfortable and they don't want to hear news. Uh, the Oatmeal, I think, did a really great comic on that. It's like, you know, it's like, this is news that I don't want to understand or I don't want to hear and it makes me uncomfortable. So... I'm going to go listen to this person because they're saying the stuff that I thought what was true to begin with. And that's the way I want to learn. So uh, it's just human nature. It's like human nature is flawed that way. And, it, and it's sad, but it is the way it is. Yeah, I look at some of the social media posts from some of my friends back in Houston that I went to school with and to see the amount of, I hate to say it, but some of the stupidity I see in, in social media some of the ignorant shit that they post and i'm like we went to the same school we got the same education how are you so stupid like i don't get it well but, I, I, everybody from my school is totally i i totally expect that kind of stuff i'm like i didn't have that very high opinion of them when i was going to school so very very true so what do you think about what's going on with uh, afghanistan right now like i i feel really bad about because I, I served in the military and served during the the conflict with afghanistan iraq but so it feels like a lot of the work that we did over there just kind of like was for nothing. And within 24 hours, the entire infrastructure crumbles and it goes back to the way it was before, if not worse. Um, and I think that I've heard reports that the Taliban are going door to door um, and trying to find Americans 
basically right. anybody who's trying to get out of the country and destroy them. Um, and I think that, you know, as a hacker collective, I think that, you know, Iran, when Iran shut down, you know, their communications, uh, we had people that popped up tour nodes here and there to try to help them get communication out. I think, you know, in my mind, I think that we need to do something for the Afghanistan people uh, to be able to get communication out and be yeah. able to, you know, let people know where they're at. Yeah, I, I th this is one of those weird things because, you know, uh, I'm extremely liberal uh, on a lot of different issues, but, but also then some people talk, we talk about certain subjects and they're like, whoa, Jason, sudden dark left turn. Uh, because quite frankly, uh, 2001, I think we, for 2001, 20 years ago, when we went into Afghanistan, it's like Bush screwed it up from the beginning. It's like because he stayed. Well, I mean, first of all, he went and attacked Iraq. That's like, you know, getting bombed at Pearl Harbor and attacking Mexico. It's like, you know, it's like, <laughs> let's go after Japan and Mexico. I'm like, why the fuck are we in Mexico? Because it's there. It's like, let's go after <laughs> Afghanistan and Iraq. And I'm like, why Iraq? WND. It's like, same thing, but, yeah. you know, uh, said differently. Uh, but with powder on one. But so the whole point <laughs> is, is, is this, is that we should have 100% went into Afghanistan. It's like in 2001. I would, my whole thought was you go in, you kill every single last person that had an inkling of an idea of being involved in that atrocity that happened. It's like, and you destroy them uh, completely in 100%. And then you leave and then you go, okay, that's what happens. It's like, when you do something like that, we're gone. It's like, we'll send you some humanitarian aid. We'll send you some, some, some help, you know, it's like, and help you rebuild and stuff, but we're not doing anything else. It's yeah. like, there was no, there was no ever going to be an exit strategy think about this for a second okay 1800s sherlock holmes where did watson come from as a combat doctor he's coming back from the war in afghanistan <laughs> present day sherlock holmes with benedict cumberbatch bug cucumber whatever his name is right <laughs> where did dr watson come from as a combat medic where? Afghanistan. They didn't hmm. have to change the country they were fighting a war in <laughs> from the 1800s. Good point, good point. And it's, it's always going to be that way, too. No. The whole point is Afghanistan is never going to be successfully occupied by an outside force. No. The British tried it. The Russians tried it. We're the... We're in this whole mess because the Russians <laughs> tried it because they were trying to get an all-season port. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and we didn't want that to happen. So we uh, gave all the weapons to the Taliban and the training and yeah. stuff, you know, to do all that. And then when the Russians left, they're like, oh, who are we going to fight? Oh, let's go after America now. You know, it's like, it's like, oh, look, the consequences of our own actions. It's like, so, yeah, there was never going to be an easy exit out of Afghanistan. I think Biden totally botched a, a little bit of what was going on. But quite frankly, there was no way that anybody was not going to botch it. 
Right. I, I just don't understand how that could have happened. It was going to suck. Well, and people are going to die. Good people are going to die. Mm -hmm. It's like, because it's been 20 years, there was never a good way to get out of it. Yeah, that's always, a, that's always the same problem, right? So even like, they got smart during the Gulf War in 92 and pulled out of Iraq pretty fairly quick. 100%, yeah. yes. And, and that's how it was supposed to be done. We didn't have that vacuum. So when you stay that long and you set up shop, then when you leave, it creates a huge vacuum and it's unstable. But the problem is, is that we go into a country, we exhaust the resources, pop up at McDonald's and Walmart, we're done. You know, that's the way, that's what we've been doing it. We've been staying in countries for 10, 20 years, popping up democracy, which equates to a Walmart and McDonald's and hoping it, it holds. Yeah. But what I find more interesting is the war reparations that I saw after the Iraq war. And the war right. reparations was a certain percentage of their oil pipeline. So it wasn't really like I went into the military and was fighting for freedom. I was fighting for some fat cat with, with oil, you know, prospects. Right. You know, and that, that's, that's what I find hard to deal with is the fact that I re-enlisted on 9-11 to go and help those people. And what happened, I, we, we thought that we set them up for a good you know, chance at success, but the longer it lasted and the more that we took over, I knew that as soon as we pulled out, we're going to be pulling the, all that air right out with us. And in comes the Taliban, in comes ISIS, in comes Iran, whoever wants to jump in the country, yeah. put your name here. No, China, China and Russia are already going to be uh, uh, filling up that void in uh, Afghanistan uh, with the contracts because China's already got a deep ties to uh, uh, Pakistan right now uh, through their cyber yep. contracts because Israel's got uh, a deep network ties in with uh, India mm -hmm. uh, and Pakistan, India. It's like the problem with Americans, it's like, and, and a lot of policy foreign, uh, foreign, foreign uh, policymakers is they don't understand outside of the border. They don't understand the geopolitics between what's going on and what's actually going on. It's like people talk about Crimea. Mm -hmm. It's like, like, oh, the Russians are going in to invade Crimea. And it's like, and they're not realizing Crimea is mostly Russian speaking offshoot of the Ukraine and mm -hmm. stuff, you know? And it's like, and there's a lot of, it's not just, uh, black and white it's not just there's shades there's like different kinds of things and cultures involved it's like the reason why there's so much conflict in uh the middle east right now is maybe 1912 had something to do with that it's like maybe when the british and the french and the americans decided going like oh this is what your country is now you're no longer persia you're this you're this you're that and this is where everything's at now it's like, uh, and doing that to nomadic tribes who have right. never even heard of borders. Like the Palestinians. It's like, so yeah, so all these different things go on and now we're like, and people don't remember what occurred before. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and it's not like, you know, you're not learning from your past mistakes. Those mistakes aren't even put in books. Those are like not even being taught mm -hmm. uh, historically. It's like, so you can't learn from that history because no one wants to read it. No one wants to understand it. A lot of that conflict, you actually have to go back to the Bible and look at the Bible because some of those tribes and some of those groups have been fighting since biblical times. 
Definitely. And it's like, I mean, humans have it. always been very good at hating each other. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's one of the things that we do. I mean, and also other species, animal species do that too. Yep. It's just, we're supposed to be better, right? It's like, we're supposed to evolve more emotionally and understanding like, yeah, owning people is wrong. Right. It's like doing things and saying things because you're of one sex or one color or what is wrong. It's like, I mean, it's just inherently wrong. It's like, it's like being able to like excuse it because like, you know, that's how animals work. Well, yeah. But then again, it's like, we're not animals anymore like that. We're trying to be more evolved than regular animals. I think uh, though, there's power and greed, right? Oh yeah, that yeah. helps. As long as power and greed is in the picture, you can compromise someone into like being a terrible human for the sake of profit. Right. Well, some yes. do it for free, but yes, I, yeah, I, yeah, I see where you're coming too. from. But yeah, I think those three play like such a big factor into like why humanity has gone so wrong. If it wasn't for those two, we could probably all learn to share and accept one another and just, you know, come together. Yeah. I think the key is the outside force. I, I think that pray for aliens. I think that if aliens came yeah. down, we would have something Maybe to fight against. Maybe that's why they're introducing UFO documentaries lately. <laughs> Let's hope so. Yeah. So Jason, I got a question for you. Um, we have a lot of uh, people getting into cybersecurity in our group, a lot of newbies. Tell us how you got into cybersecurity. And yeah, what was your first hack? What was the first thing you hacked ever? Uh, the first thing I hacked ever was um, I come from a very poor family uh, childhood and also a very uh, traumatic and horrible thing that we don't want to get into. Uh, but my mother didn't understand boys. She didn't like boys. She didn't like me. But uh, every once in a while, you had to give a boy child a gift. And so she didn't know what to give them. So boys are supposed to like cars. I hated cars. It's like I was not, I didn't like sports ball. I didn't like any of that stuff. You know, it's like I like spaceships, I like robots, things like that. Uh, but she kept giving me matchbox cars. Knowing that I hated them, she just didn't care. It's like, well, that's all you're getting. It's like, it's like those are easy to get. It's like, so she gives me matchbox cars. And so I would uh, take the wheels off and I would modify them and make them hover cars and spaceships. That was my first hack. Awesome. Because one of the key things that we have to understand is you're born a hacker. It's like everybody on this planet was born a hacker. It's like, that native childlike curiosity and passion to go and say, why, 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 why? I remember this on your <laughs> DEF CON talk. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, that's, that's what we're born with. Uh, we just, you know, get institutionalized and educated out of us, a lot of people, but some still keep it, some still keep going with it. Uh, but yeah, Turing was a, a, a hacker. It's like Da Vinci was an Uber hacker and there was no computers there. <laughs> It's like, I mean, he freaking created scuba gear in a bulletproof armored car, and for helicopter. God's sake. It's like a helicopter and a flying machine powered by a little fly. I mean, the guy was a, is a Uber hacker, a Galileo, Tesla Uber hacker. Uh, it's like, so uh, that was my first hack. It's like, uh, we can't just define it as computers. Um, I never did uh, a lot of the hacking typical computer hacking that you see uh i didn't i started i've always been security minded i've always liked helping people um i always I, I wanted to be the opposite of what was expected of me when i was a child and i was raised to be a monster and so i literally turned out to be someone that wants to do better and help others 
and and I like it when bad guys go to jail and and, and you know bad guys pay for what they do. Uh, so I've always worked from the security side of it. Um, so my first major hack, I think, it's like from computer related, was uh, creating uh, like small little honey traps on websites and things for my company's defenses and creating things that's like an infrastructure and networks that went nowhere. But if anybody tried to probe it or something, it indicated that they were in the network and we needed to do something about it or they were going to places they shouldn't have been. Uh, so um, it was things like that uh, that I did the most. I started learning. Uh, I got into uh, information security uh, in 2000. Uh, I'm old. So uh, I got into computers and help desk support when I was in uh, around 95, 96. I'm really old. So, uh, so around 96, uh, I got into the computer industry uh, because I, I was coming from physical security and uh, being a supplemental officer for a gang task force, but I got tired of getting shot at. Uh, so I got into the computers. And then in 2000, I was told that I could do security and computers. And no one shoots at you. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm in. It's like, <laughs> and, and so it was something that I loved doing. And it's like, and I started off doing that. And then around 2009, 2010, uh, I saw an a-hole uh, give a really good talk uh, about the social engineering and pen testing aspect and the red team aspect. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. It's like, uh, and so I wanted to learn more about that. And so I talked to my, the bank that I worked for. That I was like, I want to start testing us like this and doing it. And it turns out I'm really good at robbing people. Uh, because even when I was doing physical security, I was always looking at like, well, they should put a camera right there or we should patrol more in this side because it's like there's more traffic coming over from this direction. My mind's always looked that way. It's like it's a hacker's mindset. It's always what else? What's the other side of it? Uh, and so I just took that and I started doing that and became more successful at it. And so for the last 10 years, uh, I started doing the uh, the pen testing side, the, the, the offensive security side, the red teaming side and the blue team. It's like, cause I started off as blue team. Always. I love blue team. That's where every person I think should start off in this industry is blue team, learning the, the ropes, learning, don't just jump into red team. That's the biggest mistake. It's like, learn how everything works, learn how it operates, learn how the bureaucracies work, learn how the network works, the apologies, and then get there. And, uh, and then about the last five years though, of that whole, this whole arc, uh, I learned that I wasn't really doing a good job for my client because I was just breaking in and giving a report. And I was just breaking stuff and showing vulnerabilities without really teaching the people that I compromised why it was wrong and what had just occurred. So now starting then, starting five years ago, was an epiphany moment where I had this one opportunity to let someone catch me. And now every engagement I'm on, I make sure I get caught at least once. It's like, or a whole day, I just go to different places and let them catch me so I can show them like, good job. This is what you did right. This is what needs to be done. And you put those in the report along with the other previous days of I broke in here, I did this. And every place I've compromised, at the end of that engagement, you know, two minutes after I've gotten out of that, that one engagement, that one area, I would then come back and I would tell them, by the way, 
I was a bad guy. This is what I did. This wasn't a test. It was a training opportunity. This was for you to learn not to be caught you. You didn't lose. You won because you learned now what a bad person looks like when they're coming in and they're trying to do something like this. I wasn't your adversary. I was your advocate. It's like this wasn't about losing. It was about lessons. And that's that, what you learned. Is that positive reinforcement like missing in a lot of cases? Is that like the, the blame game happens rather than reinforcing the education? It's almost devoid in this industry. It's like I, I've heard, I, I read Team Wins and Gabby and them. I've heard that they actually do that, which is amazing. Uh, and uh, But more companies need to start doing that. And I advocated, I've been advocating for at least five years. And mostly all my talks, I talk about that now. And I make sure that it's focused on my training. I literally, I do a training uh, called being a teachable moment. And one whole aspect of it is the part about getting caught. It's like, cause I, I train them to like get caught. I train them to actually console. We do role playing where I play the victim they compromise in an earlier exercise to compromise the network. And then they have to come back and I'm still playing the same role of the person they compromised. And they have to tell me that they were the bad guy and what they had done and how I compromised the company. And then they have to deal with the aftermath. It's like, could I be already written up? Could I have just started like two weeks ago? Could I have had a recent loss in my family? It's like, I throw up all these different uh, left hooks. It's like, just to let them understand, this is how you do it. And this is real world experiences. So uh, yeah, there's not enough people being trained like that. So I take the, your opinion on purple team is probably pretty positive as well. You know, being able to sit down with the blue and... I think I was doing purple team before purple team was a thing. Team, it's yeah. like, so it's like, so. <laughs> yeah, th- th- that became really popular in the UK when I was over there. Um, a lot of people, a lot of teams were starting to stand up purple teams. Uh, and I, yeah, thought it was I remember my DEF CON 18, I think it was my DEF CON 18 uh, talk, uh, which was 2010, where I literally talked about, you know, it's like you need a little bit of red team and a little bit of blue team. It's like you can call it a purple team. So it's like, I'm not saying I coined it, but I'm saying I, I know for a fact I'm one of the first ones that started saying it. It's like I didn't coin it maybe, but I came pretty effing close. It's like That's cool. So, yeah, when I started my uh, career, I was a hacker before I actually got into – security and probably the same time frame as you actually jason because i i got into i guess it was help desk support with gateway computers in houston back in 95 i think 95 or 96 for um, support yeah yeah, yeah that's yes. where i work no way software, software support. Support. Yes. right above the metro uh headquarters offices in the building downtown yes on louisiana street yep, yep. There, there i was so i i started out in support and uh, they learned really quickly that, that my tempo was not good with the clients that we had calling in. So they moved me to the Segasoft uh, group where I tested games and, and looked for glitches in the games. It's really interesting. We came from the same roots. Um, but yeah, so I went into security and then from, you know, from desktop support to blue team and then back into red team. And now I took a position with Pyro and I'm back running a blue team. So I always tell people that you have to have both sides, right? It goes back to right. Sun Tzu, right? 
You have oh, yeah. to become your enemy to, to defeat your enemy. You have to know what's going on. Right. Um, so it's really interesting. And people come to me all the time. They're like, well, how do I, I want to become a pen tester. And I'm like, what do you know about defending a network? Well, I don't want to do that. I, I want to be a hacker. No, no, no. You, you don't understand. Hacker is a mindset. Do you, you want to be a red teamer? You want to be a pen tester. But what right. do you know about defending a network? Right. And most of them have no clue. And so I tell them, hey, go, go get a blue team book. Read, read a blue team book and defense strategies. And then yep. tell me you want to become a pen tester. Yep. I tell them, I tell people, people always ask me how to be a hacker. I, always t I, always, I created a website for it uh, called ironin, I-R-0-N-I-N.com. And literally, uh, there's the getting started page, which is all about that. I mean, I created a couple other pages came about around it. Uh, but, but that was one of the main pages, the getting started page. And it's just resources and videos and other places. And I need to update it. It's like, I try to keep getting the community. like, tell me where there's resources about getting involved in hacking and let, I will list those on the site. That's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll make sure that we get that link out as well. Um, you know, what's really interesting is we share a lot of, uh, common connections as well. You know, Paul Milstead, I found out you were moving to Houston through Paul. I met him at a bar oh, yeah. one night and he was, you know, a scruffy beard and telecommunications guy. And we sat and talked and I was like, man, you really have a, a mindset that, that I'm familiar with. And he's like, oh yeah, you know, I got good friends. Yeah, I got good friends who are <laughs> hackers. And I said, really, who? He goes, well, Jason Street. And I was like, what? So it's really, I mean, we have a lot of uh, similar connections and uh, that goes to show like how small our community really is. Like people think there's so many hackers around the world. There may be a lot of people with certifications, but the tribe is very small. Oh yeah, and uh, that's that's one of my favorite parts about security and you know hacking and ethical hacking is the fact that a lot of us started before there's actually a certification, and that oh, yeah. tribal knowledge has been passed down from one to another, um, and we kind of lean on each other in different aspects, um, and you know help each other out. I wish the rest of the industry was like that. I wish that it hadn't become so diluted and so convoluted with people who are, you know, cutthroat and, and just trying to make a buck. Um, because back then we didn't make any money. Um, before I started in pen testing, hacking was just a hobby. It wasn't, it wasn't yeah. something I, I made money off of. Um, and the people I met were, you know, invaluable, you know, friendships that last a lifetime. Speaking of Snowden, yeah. um, you know, we, we were talking not too long ago, me and Rob Eshmedia about, how he went over and, and got to, to, you know, help build the movie Snowden. I thought it was really funny when you were talking about it, how he got the information out of the NSA in a Rubik's right. cube. Right. But I don't know how much of that is embellished, but I mean, you walk through a security scanner, toss a Rubik's cube to the guy on the, on the, you know, looking at the scanner and then walk through and hand it back. I mean, that's the NSA. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of people have really interesting stories about how they got into security. But what is your favorite pen test that, that you've ever done? My favorite one is, I have I, not had one better yet, uh, was uh, January uh, 2020 in the before times, uh, right before times. Um, and it was my second year doing this, this company. Uh, I've done other companies, you know, over again and over again. It's like, and just sadly just been very successful every single time. It's like choose different branches or whatever. It's like, 
I went to this company in Boston and right when I got in to the, uh, to the receptionist area, brand new receptionist. She didn't recognize me from the year before. No one, I changed my appearance and everything because I wanted to make sure. And I'd lost weight. It was like, a, I was way huger back then. And it's like uh, within a year. And so I, I changed my appearance. As soon as I got in, I was walking up these stairs to go up to the other floor. Excuse me. It's like, uh, where are you going? I'm like, oh, I'm here to go see. And I, I give the name. She's like, no, you need to sign in and you need to give this name. You got to stop me dead cold. It's like I went in. Uh, I then uh, said, well, I need to go to the restroom. Always need to go to the restroom. It's like not always, but it's like always we'll go to the restroom. Uh, and uh, so she buzzes me in to the security area to go to the restroom. But then I just keep walking. It's like I, I instead of going left to the, to the door, I just go down the hallway. I compromised two machines real quick. So I'm successful. And I just keep looking around. And then I see a person get up off their, uh, out of their desk and start coming toward me. It's like, and I could have just, you know, gone downstairs or theoretically escaped. Uh, but that wasn't the job. I go back out there. The receptionist has a camera through that hallway, already saw that I deviated, was already reporting it. It's like, so... On point, every section I went to in that company, once we started the actual engagement part, no matter how many I got through, I got a couple on each one. It's like, it doesn't matter. Every single section that I went to in that company, someone stopped me. Someone said, you can't touch my computer unless I called the help desk. I didn't get any kind of notification from email saying that you were going to be here today. One person, I'm new, and it's like, it's like I just, I'm from another location. It's like, but shouldn't, shouldn't security come? It's, I mean, shouldn't a help desk uh, send me an email or shouldn't someone call me? I'm going to call them just to make sure. Literally, every single place I got stopped. That was the biggest success I ever had because I got caught every single section. They took the year before I went through them like butter. I mean, like it was horrible. I had a badge. I had one of their badges. I was able to get up. I was able to do all this stuff. Totally got in. It's like this time, every section, they, 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 they shut me down. It's like, that's the best success I've ever had. And that's the way a pen test should be, right? I mean, you go in the first year and, and they fail. They should be that good the next time. Problem is. Exactly. A lot of companies aren't, um, you know, they I sadly see so many people bragging. I hear some of yeah, we got in. It was like, we use the same one. You should be ashamed of yourself. It's like, why are you saying that in public? It's like, <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. It's like being it's a like, little brother. <laughs> yeah. It's like you wasted their money and their time. It's like, it's like you, you, you're supposed to make them better. The only reason the red team exists is to make the blue team better. I, I to totally That's agree. It. Totally Badly. agree. Yeah. You know, there was one time, um, just not too long ago, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Casey Bourbonace. Um, he and oh, I, that guy. That guy. I think he's here <laughs> somewhere, actually. Well, I'm looking at him right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so the Federal Reserve, that had to be the worst pen test I've ever been involved with, because literally they give you a laptop, and there's like said tools that you can use and you can't deviate outside of 
pressing a button and launching it. Um, right. That that to me started killing my my desire. I, I had to like break away and go find something else, like something more creative to do because it was just when you're limited that much. I mean, I I understand it's critical infrastructure. I understand it's like you know really sensitive, but I mean, how much are you really testing by dictating what tools are being ran? Yep, you you gotta do. That. I did a state treasury once, and the scope of the rules of engagement were the fact that I couldn't talk to anybody trying to get out the door. Couldn't use any tools to open the door. Had to come in after hours. And also, I could only talk to the cleaning crew, but I couldn't lie to them because they weren't an employee of the state treasury. And I video recorded all of it, and I got in. It's like, and I told the, the cleaning crew person the exact 100% truth in a very dishonest way, and they let me into their building. And I'm like, okay, there's your scope. <laughs> it's like, and I'm still in. It's like, and you know what? The, the bad person, the criminal, they're not going to have this scope to work with mother and they're going to just get in easier and faster. So mm -hmm. let's work about that now. And let's actually work on the problem instead of trying to make sure that I don't succeed. Yeah, Real absolutely. world doesn't have scope. No. Yeah, exactly. So Casey, how are you doing? It's been a long time since I've seen you, man. Busy, busy. Just got uh, back from DEF CON and Black Hat. And, uh, just trying to get caught back up uh, and, you know, in, in the real world. So. I'm so jealous you guys going to a black hat that, uh, you know, I, I really wish I would have gone this year. Um, but being back in the States and, and not really being here very long, it's just, I'm not sure how much I can travel yet. I haven't tested my new uh, state ID yet. So we'll yeah. see if I get stopped at the airport when I try to leave. You got those five S's on your, on your boarding pass there. Dude, I, I have 10 now. I've got five on my <laughs> Five on the boarding pass and five on my back. No, I've, uh, I've had I've had the five S's before. I know what type type of oh, yeah. there. Oh, mine was mine was a little bit more strange. Uh, get to the UK and my passport had been revoked by the State Department, and that was uh, kind of eye opening. I um, spent two two years in uh, the UK with nowhere to go and and not a citizen. And it was really so, what are the five S's? What what are these five S's you speak of for the idiot Australian? Selective. Idiot? screen selective security screening something or other and they're supposed to be random but i asked the guy the last time if i get it every time how is that random yeah so yeah yeah it, you get to go into a special back room and they ask you oh, so it's you like know, a vip 20, yeah vip section exactly yeah. like candlelight <laughs> music it's like yes, romantic <laughs> yeah Except 20 questions, another guy comes in another <laughs> 20 questions and that, they don't do it just when you go through security they also do it at the gate before you get on the plane. And I was like, Especially overseas. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. I just went through this. And he's like, well, yeah, you could have bought something at the store and constructed something. I'm like, really? I mean, have you seen your I'm store? not Evan Booth. I'm not, I'm not that technical. <laughs> All right. So what are your plans now, Jason? I mean, what do you have on the horizon coming up? Um, surviving the apocalypse. Uh, that's still my agenda right now. Uh, it's like, I mean, I, I, I mean, I am in the South, but, but it's still, unfortunately, the fact is the, the, the pandemic isn't over yet. Um, but I, um, I'm just trying to like go through this. It's like, I had a really good class. I'm very happy about it. Uh, I got a pot, some possible engagements coming up. Um, and I'm working on my no man's sky stuff right now. It's like, I, I'm building uh, bases, uh, and story times. I'm writing Talon. 
uh, trying to get my mental health back on track. It's like I'm trying to uh, just pick up a lot of pieces that uh, uh, turns out 2020 wasn't a great year for me. Uh, I don't know if, if it was for anybody else. I, I don't remember the news that much, but it's like it wasn't that great of a year for me. Uh, it's like I'm sure everybody had way more luck than I did. Uh, but it was, uh, and so I'm trying to, to rebuild that. I've already got like an engagement in, uh, talk uh, plan. My new talk next year is going to be insanely awesome. I really am looking, it's one of the few that I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, and I'm already, uh, already got a place in February. I'm going to Berlin uh, for itdefense.de. I'm doing their uh, uh, talk there. And, uh, and so I, I'm, I'm, I don't plan on traveling internationally probably until uh until uh, Berlin uh, I don't I'm going to be traveling maybe one more time maybe two more times uh, this year uh, on a plane mm -hmm. uh, but very limited it's like it's just I mean and I, and I haven't taken a mask off since like April of last year it's mm -hmm. like uh, when it became real down here uh, and I realized what was going on. It's like, I put the mask, I've tripled masks all through 2020. It's like, after I got vaccinated, I, I had two masks for the first month, uh, for the first month. Uh, and then I went down to one mask. And then after I got back from Vegas, it's like, Oh, time to double back up again. It's like, and so and now I'm double masking, uh, and I'll probably be in that state, uh, through the end of the year minimum. Uh, so, uh, um, yeah, I'm just taking precaution. I mean, I've got I've been fully vaccinated since March, but still, it's just I'm not trying to. Play. And it's not, and it's really weird for me because I really don't mind dying. It's like I'm very bad, you know, uh, that you know that that self preservation mode. That module's not present in me uh, for some <laughs> reason. Uh, so I mean, I I tell people it's like the reason why I do so good at what I do is I have no shame and bad impulse control. It's like I mean, literally. I mean, I accidentally broke into a shark tank in the Dominican Republic. It's like, I don't really like understand danger too well. Uh, so um, it's like, I mean, if, the, if, if guards with AK-47s, you know, rushing me at the pyramids of Giza was not an indicator to make me nervous. It's like, I don't think, uh, so it's like, so this stuff's not really messing with me. It's just the fact I don't want to die because someone else is stupid. It's like, and doesn't want to wear a mask. I don't mind dying. It's like, I mean, trust me, let, the odds are me dying stupidly or extremely high. Okay. <laughs> and I understand that. Okay. I accept those odds for my own. I want to be the cause of that stupidity. Okay. Not some other idiot. It's like, that's on me. And so that's the main thing that I think that I have the biggest conflict with. Because when I was homeless and when I was like in my early 20s and stuff, I was very, it's like, I got into a lot of scraps. It's like, I caused a lot of damage to a lot of people uh, and had damage put on me. And so I realized in 2020, I was very like, um, when I feel threatened physically, I don't cower. It's like, I'm like, I bristle and I'm like, mother, it's about to be on. I will, I had people threaten to shoot me last year. Uh, I had people <laughs> wanting to fight me. It's like all this stuff because it's like because when they weren't wearing a mask during in 2020 when the mask mandates were even Texas had it and all the other stuff, I was when I saw him say you're supposed to have a mask, mother. And I, oh, you, Jason doesn't cuss, okay? It's like, but old school Jason not only will cut, <laughs> he'll cut you. It's like so. It's like it's like he'll. 
I literally now everybody can have a gun now in Texas because it's like we don't need health care if you got guns. It's like, and uh, one of the things that irritates me the most is like, so is the, I don't know who's armed now and who's not. So I carry a, a, a hunting knife. Uh, it's got a really nice Damascus blade and serrated back edge. And uh, I do it lateral side because it's like, I'm a sword fighting style of seven. It's like, it's not for show, it's, it's for use. Uh, so it's an easy draw, just straight out. And uh, I was walking into like, I think a Walmart. It was like, what is that? Is that, is that a knife? And I'm like, yeah, it's a knife. And it's like, why do you have that? And I literally looked at him point blank. I said, because I don't like guns, but I plan on killing anyone that tries to mean me harm. And it's like, and just kept walking. And they're like, okay, then. <laughs> it's like, because I just want that, I want that presence so they know don't mess with me. Because I don't like fighting. It's like, I'm a, it's very weird to say, but I'm a pacifist. I don't like to hurt people. I've gotten in fights and I've cried about it because I was so frustrated this person was making me do this damage uh, to them because of what they did. And so I don't like fighting. So I make sure that if I'm in a fight, it's the last time you ever want me to be in that state with you ever. And it's like, and then I don't have to do it again. And it's like, and that's the way I do it. I do it final. I mean, I, there is no uh, dispute after I'm finished. It's like either I'm down on the floor bleeding or you are. And we've established that we, both of us don't want to repeat the scenario. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's usually done at yeah. that point. See, I used to run two fights for some reason. I, I, I love boxing and, and, the hand -hand I hate this stuff. Com combat. That makes me sad. Yeah. So, uh, Casey, what do you have going on the rest of this year? Just uh, more, more work, work, work. Uh, looking at Blackout Europe, if uh, it gets to happen, looks like it's going to. So, trying to plan for that. Cool. Uh, cool. Looks like it's going to be another hybrid event. So, I like the Mohawk. Uh, and uh, let's see. You know, with with uh, Jason there, I, I can also attest to that he uses that knife for good uh, from time to time. Uh, you know, that is been, yeah. been there to been there to cut a seatbelt off uh, nice. A, nice. a guy in a, a burning car with him. So. Whoa. <laughs> We saved the life. Oh. That was cool. So that was, yeah, that was fun. That's a bonus. Yeah, yeah I, I like your uh, your office there, Jason. I remember when you first moved well, in there, it was like putting it together. It's come a long oh, way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It is, uh, yeah, it's got a uh, an appropriate amount of flair, I think. So, you know, I try to get the appropriate amount. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to shirk on that. I'll be but, up in, you know, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say something silly, like, you know, what I lack in technical skills, I make up in proposing. So it, it works out for me. I, I, the beauty of it's like, I have nothing to prove to anybody. It's like, these are memories and things that I like. So mm -hmm. it's like, but I, I get all that static, like, oh, you're trying to be like a hack. No, dude, I'm trying to be mean. I like this stuff. It's like, you know, it. you should, you should try it sometime, you know, yeah. actually yeah. liking what you like and not caring what everybody else thinks about it. Exactly. Yeah. I'll be in well, uh, your ne neck of the podcast. woods. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be in your neck of the woods in uh, September 28th. I'll be speaking oh, in Dallas. Cool. In Dallas. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, very, yeah. I'll be at the one in Austin, actually. The one uh, October 13th, I think. I'll be there as well. I'm making the Innotech yeah. circuit. Yeah. Okay, very cool. Yeah, cool. Speaking of, of like um, 
speaking engagements, I do have a question for you, Jason. So okay. I've seen some of your speaking engagements and I, I love the way that you kind of like tell your story. It's very engaging. You've got lots of stories and videos that kind of like help with that. So like, how long does it take you to put a presentation like that together? And like, you know, like how do you decide like what topic you want to focus on when, when you're, you know, asked to, to speak at some of these, you know, cons and events? That's a good question. Um, well, for, uh, on creating the, the, the deck is extremely easy. It's like for me, because I'm very visual. So, uh, and, and I don't like, uh, and I don't want people to read slides because if they read slides, they're busy reading the slide, not paying attention to me. And it's all about me. It's like at the moment, right? Exactly. I'm joking, but, <laughs> but but it's well, not about me, but what I'm saying and what I'm trying, the information I'm trying to convey. So literally my slides, if you'll note, especially the last, you know, half decade or more, it's just my slide deck is basically building out which memes I'm going to use or which cat photos I'm going to put in to my slides to back up what I'm trying to say. It's like if it ties into what the message is. Uh, so basically I come up with an idea. It's like, like, oh, this is going to be something. I think this will be really cool. This is how I can tell the story. Um, and then I, or I'll have a rant. It's like, um, like the one that I did this year uh, was not the one that I was going to do this year. I was going, I'm doing next year's talk uh, was supposed to be the one I was doing this year, but you know, everybody was an idiot still. Uh, and so we can't have nice things. Uh, so the, um, so I had to, I switched, I already realized this. So, and I also didn't want to talk that much this year. It's like, uh, just because I'm trying to just, do all this other stuff. So I've literally limited uh, the talks I'm giving this year. Uh, the first half of the year, I've maybe only gave like three or four. Um, and so uh, it was the GoDaddy and this librarian thing started with uh, their internal fishing teams, which just pissed me off and made me do a rant hybrid thing where it's like I ranted the first half. And then I talked about what we can do to make it better uh, from blue teamers to actually be less adversarial. Uh, and I was ranting mostly about the red team and their stupidity of like, uh, I've got to be adversarial. I've got to like come in all macho and stuff, you know, and it's like so many issues with testosterone. It's ridiculous. And so, um, and so I deal with that. Uh, and that's how I did that talk. So some of them would just come up just randomly. It's like, or oh, I'll come up with one thought and I'm like, oh, and I'll try to expand on it. But I have literally been my whole career is literally on point, not ever changed. It's like, go back and watch all my videos. It's like, if you do not find the common thread of educating the users, empowering the users, enforcing policies, and trying to teach people to be better instead of showing them that they're wrong. And it's like, and how we actually work in that human layer is the one that we're missing in this industry it's like it's not the technology that's broken it's how we communicate to the people to properly prepare them to secure uh you're not really watching my talks because exactly. I, I, on my talk i did one uh 2019 called i pony i pony not and i remember at one one of the slides it's about the cowbell and it's like and i literally scream at the audience like have you not realized I've been giving the same talk for 10 years and no one is like freaking understanding? That's what this is about. It's like, so 
it, it's it's literally the same thing. It's like, and I, I so I alternate I rant year and offensive talk year just to keep it interesting. But I choose one talk. Uh, I, I I choose like this is the talk for the year. And then every conference that I go to, I evolve it. It's like, or I change something in it, or I like, and there's so my talks have so much content. There's no way I can do it in an hour. It's like, and trust me, they give me 45 minutes and I still take an hour. So it's like, uh, so I, I, I'm terrible at that. And I'm, I apologize to the conference. I remember one time in India, it's like, uh, I was doing my talk and uh, I was like at least 10 minutes over. And there's these two, uh, wonderful ladies that were like going like you know because they had the cue cards were gone at this point and they're like you know it's like and i'm like that's adorable i'm not done yet it's like this is talk is important because it was about that around the world 80 cons and that was a very passionate one so i was like i'm going to speak an hour on this i don't care it's like what your time thing is this is my message um and so i kept it on point and it's like but i just kept doing it but i tr i've tried over the years to be more respectful and better at that. Uh, but sometimes I still go long. But the uh, but the, I think the key issue is uh, with this is that um, you just have a thought about what can you make better? And it's like, and, and what is your perspective of what a situation needs to be fixed? One of the biggest problems we have in this industry in this community is the internal gatekeeping. It's like a lot of people get gatekept. It's like, you know, it's like a lot of people are, are having people say, you don't belong here or you're not good enough. It's like, or you've got boobs. It's like, oh, that, you know, oh my gosh, that changes the whole dynamic of what your brain does or something. I don't know. It's ridiculous. Or, oh, look at the shade of your, your meat robot. It's like, that's just a weird color. It's like, it's, I mean, and that's all we are, just different meat robots. It's like, you know, it's just, you know, some, it, it's ridiculous how we like let those small prejudices it's like in, in intrude and communicating with each other and, and helping everyone out. Uh, but one of the key problems is people self gatekeep. Oh, I don't have a good enough talk. Oh, oh, I don't know what to say. It's like, Oh, I, no one's going to want to hear what I have to say. Mother, who cares if you change one person, and your talk is able to affect the person who had been trying to figure something out, but the way you say it clicks and makes it work, you're done. You're good. That was your whole goal was just to change because you don't know what they're going to make of it and what they're going to take to it and use it for and adapt it with. It's like, and then they may give a talk later based on what you said. People have used my talks and variations of my talks, and they're not copying me. They're not being copycats. They're not plagiarizing. They're, that's awesome. They're being inspired. Spreading exactly. It's like if they do my talk almost verbatim and they're using their experiences and their uh, ways of talking, then that's their talk. Well, that's, that's why not I my talk. Yeah, because huh? I want to use some of that and in, in creating content for, for my job. Cause I was like, you know, yeah. Jason's a great storyteller. His rants are comical, it adds character, but then he always finishes on such a positive note. Like even your, in, you know, your example of like, hey, what's your best pen testing engagement? You started out right. with like, you weren't like, oh, we got domain admin. You were like, 
it, it was it was positivity and i think that's what yeah. i love about you like as much as you've got this like you love to rant you're also like but guys let's work together and make things better so <laughs> exactly. i love that and, he and that's what you should take from it and he loves ice cream as well yeah. I also know you're who, a big fan of Firefly, <laughs> which I'm also devastated oh. when they canceled. Oh, oh, I got the, oh. uh, I got the playing card. I have the board oh. game. I have the 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 nice. two hour Firefly board game that I play. Oh, 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 oh. oh yeah. Yes, it's like I'm I'm a very big. That's elegant. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, I I still live by you know let's go be bad guys. It's like, and I aim to misbehave. It's like, so yeah. <laughs> I love that you said like, you know, everyone's a hacker. You just have to look at it in different ways. Like, I love that you yeah. kind of said like Da Vinci was an Uber hacker. Like, I never thought of it that way. But, you know, like you don't have to just hack computers, you know. You can oh my God. Like, you know how many food hackers there are? Food hackers. The, the woman, uh, the immigrant woman who worked in the a university basement because no one thought she was uh, took her seriously is the one that found the mRNA uh, mRNA uh, uh, breakthrough for the vaccine for uh, COVID. It's like that's the hack. That. It's like yeah. yeah, Hedy Lamar. It's like one of the biggest injustices we do to Hedy Lamar is we start off by calling her an actress. And people know her as an actress. Mother, she's got, she made Wi-Fi. It's like Bluetooth, <laughs> GPS was all made possible because of Hedy Lamar. It's like, screw what her acting career was like. It's like, you call her a hacker first and then say, oh yeah, she did some acting <laughs> on the side. It's like, you know, it's like, that's, those are the people that are hackers. There's people who hardly ever deal with the computer and they're just as much a hacker as I will ever be. You know, it's like they're building out way different ways to do cars or designing buildings. It's like, you know, how can you not look at the Eiffel Tower and just think, how did they even manage to build that or think that through to make that the way it is? It's like it that's all basically hacking is we we're narrowing it and defining it and belittling it by making it just narrow down to computers. It all goes it's back like to misinterpretation. Whole... Yeah, it's like, well, so it's just ridiculous. Yeah, the media, I think, took the, took the term hacker and kind of bastardized it and, and manipulated it. But yeah, you're, you're right. We, uh, me and my roommate used to watch these uh, videos and how they would take like vehicles and make them into like, like livable, sustainable platforms to like, you know, go across the country or whatever. Right. You know, that, that kind of stuff. But I really like the, the reference to kids are hackers because they have that, you know, questionable mind. I think that I'm probably one of those kids who just never really grew up. That infinite curiosity. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to have a childhood, so I'm just doing it now. That's exactly. the way I. I oh, my God. I'm the same. My parents <laughs> yeah. are like, go to your room and study. And I'm like, but I want to tinker. So I'm with exactly. you. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Very cool. Well, Jason, I appreciate you being on the uh, podcast and, and accepting the, the invite. Um, Casey, work. thanks for uh, jumping in there as well. Good to see you again. Hopefully I'll see you again soon. Um, any questions Hi. for us? Thanks for having me. Yeah. Any questions for us before we, before we head out? Jason? Hope you guys have a great rest of no, your weekend. No, I'm good. I just want to okay, thank Jason cool. for the book pack. Oh, oh, pack oh, I got oh. from Duncan show years ago. Well, not years ago. Don't we? 
cool. At the start, the start of my whole journey, Jason gave me a um, the oh the what, who are they? Press the um all the hacking books, Jason. What, what's the uh, starch press. press? Starch press. No starch, no starch press. press. Yeah. No starch press. No yeah. starch press. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for that, my friend. I no, appreciate well, that very right. much. Yeah, we'll have to catch up again. Thank you so much for your time. Maybe we can do a, a podcast episode while I'm in Dallas. If you guys make it up there, or maybe Austin, we can sit together. I would love to. I would I'll definitely to. be in Austin, yes. If like, so that, that could happen. Yes, uh, that would be amazing. Let's totally plan on that. I, I'm sure Tech Strong TV and uh, Inotech Conference would, would love an episode. That would their, be so uh, fun. Their conference. All right, guys. Well, for everybody in the, the Haunted Hacker Group, I'll see you guys offline and, and uh, during the week. And Jason, take care. Tell everybody in Houston, tell Paul I said hello. I will. And we'll see everybody next week. Thanks, guys. Good. See you guys. Y'all take care. Take see care, everyone. Bye. See you.